can you be a great Christian? It's, it's just a brilliant question, but I was surprised by one of the answers I heard recently, which was to be a great Christian, you've got to be like Jesus, who was great at coming to his father. So usually a great Christian, you think, be a, follow Jesus, give your life to Jesus. Well, that, that's been my whole life uh, since I was 21, giving my life to Jesus. Uh, but I focus mainly on Jesus. But I've never thought Jesus didn't focus mainly on himself. He focused mainly on the Father. And uh, so being a great Christian, even before Jesus was a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, what was Jesus as a 12-year-old boy? They went for the Passover. He went with his mom and his stepdad, Joseph, and they'd all gone to Jerusalem. And then the whole, it uh, seems like the whole village started walking back towards Galilee, Nazareth. And uh, then three days into the journey, they looked around and realized Jesus isn't with them. So they, they, or it wasn't three days into the journey, but by the time they go back to Jerusalem, it was three days. And, and, and then they're really upset, especially Mary. His mother is upset with Jesus. How could you do this to us? Didn't you realize how anxious we were, how much we longed for you and how much we want to protect you, 12-year-old son? And he said, didn't you know I would be at my father's house. He was in the temple worshiping his father. Even as a 12-year-old, before miracles when he was 30, he had a passion for his father. When he was 30 and when he starts to move as a preacher, healer, deliverer, uh, and we start to see this king of kings emerging, the king of Israel... Even then he goes into the temple and he turns the money changers' tables upside down. And they're like, what do you think you're doing? This is a holy place. He said, I've got zeal for my father's house. When the disciples come to him and say, teach us how to pray, he says, pray our father. So when we're praying, and by the way, it's not wrong to focus on Jesus, being a Christian is all about focusing on Jesus. But Jesus says, know my Father. So he says, pray this way, our Father. Now that's good, we can do that, we can pray. But when we're praying, we're praying for our Father's kingdom. Our Father's name to be hallowed. Our Father's will to be done. Jesus prays and prays for his Father's will. He said, I only did what I heard my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. And the most beautiful thing for me is that Jesus so, as a son, trusted his Father, even when it killed him, literally, he obeyed his Father, trusted his Father. Now, Jesus says he wants us to have that relationship with our Father. So we're saying, our Father, we need your bread. Our Father, we need your forgiveness to flow through us. Our Father, we need your guidance and protection. Our Father, Jesus points us to the Father. Now, what's interesting is you can't come to Jesus. Maybe you're not even a Christian today. It's a great thing to be here if you're not a Christian. 
great thing. Because there is an answer that has been missing in your life. And that answer is, how do I get the real meaning of living? How do I get the real something that I just know is out there? Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary, Kumbalani quoted that scripture, and I will give you rest. There is a restlessness in all of us when we're looking all over the world thinking, what is the identity of me? Well, first thing is, you're made by God. Second thing is, you can have a relationship with him and be adopted into his family. When Joy was singing, I loved it, I wrote it down. Uh, as you come to the Father, he sets you free. Now, the Father, it says, no one, Jesus says this, no one can come to me. You may be thinking, I want to come to Jesus. Well, no one can come to Jesus, Jesus says, unless the Father who sent me, so Jesus was comfortably sitting in heaven, and the Father says, now's the time. Whoa. Jesus, who's always existed, the eternal son, is sent by the eternal father. He's always a father. Our relationship as children of a father is because he's an eternal father. See, sometimes people think, I wonder how God came up with the idea of calling himself God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Oh, he must have looked at us wandering around in... Uh, in the desert, and he thought, oh, yes, look how those dads are with their children, look how those mums are with their kids. I know to relate to these people made in my image, I will tell them I'm a father, because they can relate to that. It was the other way around. He's an eternal father, and anything fatherly that we do on the earth is because we're reflecting something of the very nature of God the Father. And if you're a good son, you're reflecting something of the nature of Jesus the Son, the eternal Son. And so Jesus says, you can't come to the Father unless, uh, you can't come to me unless the Father draws you. I loved looking at the Apostle Paul's life. And uh, I kind of see drawing like a fisherman. Do any people fish here? Good, because it's a stupid occupation. But however, uh, <laughs> how can you say, they're all down the Mersey, they're, they're there with their rods in freezing weather. Like, Have you caught any? No, I haven't caught anything. Uh, like, why do that? Why sit on the edge of the Mersey waiting for a fish to come? Could be, could be. Now, I... I I just think, what a stupid activity. But if you, if you want to do it, do it. Uh, Jesus actually called four fishermen to follow him. So it can't be that bad an activity, can it? Uh, but I kind of see a picture of the father kind of casting out a rod like those fishermen. And then he's drawing us in, drawing us in drawing us in. I look back at my life before I was 21 and became a Christian and I think, wow, maybe God was doing that so that I would go to there and hear the gospel there. And uh, God was drawing me in. Even the apostle Paul on the road to 
Damascus, you think, well, he was Saul of Tarsus. He wasn't known as an apostle. He was a Pharisee. He hated the Christians. He was persecuting them. But it, it, it seems to me that when he was there holding the coats uh, so that all these other guys can get a free arm to stone Stephen to death, I think something was happening to Saul of Tarsus. Because later on he tells us this, I was kicking against the goads. When was he kicking against the goads? I think when he watched that beautiful Christian be put to death wrongly. And what does Stephen say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Was was. Saul of Tarsus in Jerusalem when Jesus died. He was in Jerusalem. He was in Gamaliel's school. We don't know. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgiveness flows from the Father to us. And the Father draws us to Jesus. So if you're here today as a non-Christian, it's wonderful you're here. Maybe today's the day that everything changes. For me, that happened nearly 40 years ago. I can't wait to live that long to celebrate 40 years of following Jesus. But it's by far the most dramatic change in my life. But the other thing is that Jesus, the Father draws us to Jesus. And then one day we go, Jesus, I'm yours. And we're like, wow, everything's changed. I can see my, the very inside of my being has changed, something different. I used to cheat and now I tell the truth. I used to lie, everything's changed. I don't want to lie anymore. But in John 14, Jesus says this, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So if you want a relationship with God as Father, you've got to come through Jesus. If you want a relationship with Jesus, the Father draws you. They work together, but it also says the Holy Spirit is the one who calls us and we're born into a new nature, new creation. So our God is at work to save, but he wants us into a relationship with him. And Jesus' focus was all about the Father. So the Father loves us chooses us, this is if, if you're a Christian, adopts us into his family. We're his children. We're heirs. We have the riches of heaven at our resources. We can ask anything we wish and, and the check's already signed. Blank check, sign Jesus Christ. Ask anything in my name, Jesus says, and it'll be done for you as you go to the Father. So much of my Christian life, I've been more like a, a little child. It's lovely to see all the little children here. Uh, little children at Christmas, they often just can't wait for the presents to be opened. And they may remember to thank their mum or dad who bought the present, but often they're focused on the presents. And what do mums and dads do? They might say, well, you should say thank you. They might just, a little reminder, but often they just sit back and smile. That their children love the presents they've uh, bought for them. Well, I think much of my Christian life I've been like that. 
because God gave me a revelation recently and I'm going to share three different parts of this revelation. But the first bit is really of a little boy going into something. Imagine Fort Knox, this huge storeroom of gold. And it's a big door that's wide open. But it can be shut and obviously you can't get in, but it's wide open. And the father's sitting there, and this little boy comes in, goes straight past his dad. His dad's sitting there smiling. And the little boy goes into the storeroom, grabs some gold, just one gold bar. It's quite heavy. Out he goes, looks at his father. His father's smiling, and off he goes with the gold. I would say most of my Christian life, I've been like that little boy, enjoying the provision of God, but just going into the storeroom, out I come with whatever I need. Because I say, in the name of Jesus, I need this. So out I, out I go with some gold. Nothing wrong with that as a Christian. To enjoy knowing that our God provides for us. It's a remarkable thing. But uh, Charlotte and I, my wife's uh, over in uh, anchoring our meeting in Liverpool today, um, but we've been doing a course called TSM, uh, and uh, it's at Bedford. Uh, and one of the things you have to do each term is read a book. So we've actually, because we're driving to Bedford every week, we're listening to the book because we want to use some of the many hours going back and forward. Uh, and we've been listening to a book by Jack Frost called Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sonship. That's why I liked what Joy was saying. Come to the Father, he'll set you free. And as this uh, book has gone on, I've realized, wow, I'm quite like a little boy just going for treasure. The father's smiling, but I'm really being all about myself. It's all about me and what I need, and off I go. And I think I'm doing it all for God, and I probably am in many ways. But I'm just walking by the father, smiling at him and carrying on. There's no sort of relating to the father. And the only time I relate to the father in this picture is as I come to the storeroom and it's bolted shut. You know, like, I look at the father, I look at my dad and I'm like, Dad, it's shut. I need some gold. What does my father say to me when I find the storeroom is shut? I believe he says this, trust me. Trust me. So there are times... As you go for provision to heaven, you're going to your heavenly father and saying, give us this day our daily bread. And, and God always provides what you need, but he doesn't always provide everything you want. Not everything you want. Not every healing you ask for do you get, but he's a healer. We should keep asking for healing. when you meet people uh, uh, and you say, if God could do a miracle for you today, what, what would it be? Well, I want to win the lottery. Uh, I've never actually seen our father open the storeroom of heaven and let them win the lottery uh, as, a, as a person saying, well, that's what I want. That's the miracle I want. I'm sure it's happened for someone somewhere, but I've never seen it. But I've always seen God provide for his people their needs. So 
have you got to that point of saying, okay, Father, I do trust you, and learning to stay a little while with the Father and say, Father, I don't just want to walk past you every time and, uh, to get something and only turn to you and talk to you when you say no. Now, Jesus said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And the Father said no. So we have this eternal Father and this eternal Son and this wonderful relationship that shows us that occasionally our Father says no. But, the Bible says, the promises of God are yes and amen. That's the general nature of our Father. Whatever's good for you, and he knows best, he will give you, provide for you, the blessing of God. So, our Father is the best Father. Now, I don't know what your dads were like. People grow up today not even knowing their dads sometimes. So sometimes even hearing the word father's an uncomfortable thing and, uh, and people think, oh, I don't want to think about God as father. I'd rather think about Jesus. Jesus says, I want you to learn you can trust this father. He's different from any earthly father. The worst earthly father shouldn't stop us saying, Jesus, I want to know your father. Our Father, who hallowed be your name. I want to learn how to relate to God as Father. And it may be you've had an amazing dad. And you thank God the Father for your amazing dad. But I can tell you, however amazing your dad has been, he's not like our Father in heaven. Anything good in your dad has come from the Father. It's a gift from him. So we are called to actually bring ourselves to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us how to relate to your father, our father. So I don't know if you've come across, who's heard the uh, song Waymaker? Put your hand up if that's you. Anyone like it? I I, I tend to be uh, obsessive about one Christian song about every three months. And right now it's Waymaker. I don't know if you've noticed in Waymaker, there's a, a little phrase where it says, uh, he's always working. Uh, but uh, I want you to look at John uh, chapter 5. It'll come up on the screen behind. But uh, John chapter 5 and verse 16 says this. Uh, and, and Jesus was getting in trouble with his fellow Jews, especially the religious leaders, because he was always working. He didn't stop on the Sabbath. When a man had a withered arm, he commands it to to grow, and it's healed. And so he's being argued with by the leaders, why don't you do that any other day of the week? I have a beautiful, beautiful uh, Jewish lady who I pick up. She's nearly 90. I take her to our coffee morning. Her name's Gertie. She's Scottish, speaks fluent Hebrew, uh, and uh, fluent Scottish. Uh, so, um, okay, she does. Uh, so, uh, the, the only thing you have to learn about Gertie is you cannot phone her on the Sabbath. She will not answer her phone. Doesn't matter how often you ring, she will not answer the phone on the Sabbath. So, the Jewish Sabbath is from Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. 
So all that period of time, she doesn't answer her phone. She doesn't use her phone. She tries not to take a bus or a taxi. Or she, she has lots of things she won't do because it's the Sabbath. And she considers that being a, an observant Jew. She's very observant. She uh, is a beautiful lady. Jesus was quite different in his observing the Sabbath. He would do anything to bless you on the Sabbath. If it meant answering a phone to bless you, he'd do it. So you don't think, actually, I better not speak to Jesus on the Sabbath. I can't pray on the Sabbath. No, you can pray. He'll, he'll be answering. Not that God's on the phone. But, but you get the picture. He's always working. So Jesus says, in answer to the critics, that he should be having a Sabbath rest. He, and by the way, he's the Lord of the Sabbath. He defines how rest is defined. Uh, it says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always working to this very day, and I too am working. Father God and Jesus God, there's an equality in this statement. My father's always working, I'm always working, I define how the Sabbath is, I provided the Sabbath for you, for you to have a day where you rest. And you need to come to me to ask, how do I observe that rest? How do I enter into that rest? not the other way around. So in Waymaker, it says, uh, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see that you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Just love it. It's such a beautiful picture because don't you as a Christian often think, ah, oh, I feel a bit of a long way away from God right now. I just feel a bit distant. He's working. He's working. He doesn't stop working. The fact you're still following Jesus, you're in the Father's hands. No one can snatch you out. Because you didn't take your life when you were thinking, I think I'll end my life says he's fighting your battles. He was working. You think, why didn't I die? He was working. Our father never stops working. If he begins a good work, he'll complete it. Jesus says he never stops working. Our savior is safe. His hands are safe. He says, you're in my hands. No one can snatch you out. My father, who is greater than all, you're in his hands. No one can snatch you out. You will never perish. You are the safest people on the earth. It's an amazing thing to know you're in the hands of God. Every plane trip you take, even if you're a bit nervous about planes and you might say well I'm not nervous of flying I'm nervous of plummeting to my death in the plane uh, yeah I guess we're all a little bit nervous of that really because it's quite unusual isn't it to take off from the ground but you're in the hands of God you can trust him you will not go home to your father until he is ready for you to go home and it's time 
He knows the, the number of days he's given to each of us. We can trust him. He's always working. So kind of getting into that thinking that my father's always working. And we've been in Liverpool 20 years and we are renting buildings left, right and centre. So we, we have a fantastic school that works really well for us. But midweek we tend to beg, steal and borrow, rent here, rent there, rent there. So we've been thinking it would be fantastic to have a 24-6 building, at least. And a 24-7 building would be even better. But at the moment, we've got faith for 24-6. And so uh, Charlotte stayed behind because Nathan's dad is preaching in Liverpool today and going to be preaching about a special offering for a building we're going for in Liverpool. But let me tell you how that came about. Because we've looked at probably 30 different buildings over the 20 years. And each time it's like, oh, so disappointing. It's fallen through. Uh, and uh, so I was reading this quote in, in a book about George Muller and how the orphans had no bread and no milk, no breakfast. And George Muller, the Bristol Christian uh, who by faith called on his father for provision. And wouldn't people would say, Mr. Muller, tell us what you need and we'll give it to you. Say, I won't tell you. I won't tell you what I need. I tell my father what I need. I will only speak to him. Well, we won't give you anything. He's like, that's fine. My father will still provide. So George Muller comes down uh, for the breakfast time and finds out there's no bread, there's no milk, there's no breakfast for the orphans. So what would you do at that point? Well, I'll tell you what uh, most of us would do. We panic. Oh boy, what can I do? I, uh, what does George Muller do? He says, let's see, what, let's see what God will do. And sits down for breakfast. There's a knock at the door. It's the baker. And the baker says, God woke me up at two in the morning and said, bake bread for the orphans. So I've been baking bread for hours. Here you are. And then they're, they're all tucking into their bread and they're thanking God for the bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Thank you, Father. There's another knock at the door. The milkman, in, the, in this day it was horse and cart and, and urns of milk. The milkman's uh, cart has broken. And it's broken right outside. What a coincidence. The orphans, the orphanage. And uh, so the milkman says, look, my cart is broken. I've got to unload all the milk. Can the orphans use the milk? Yes, thank you, Father. <laughs> Let's see what God will do. So I read that story. And that story is from 150 years ago. And after looking at about 30 buildings, uh, uh, and the, sorry, I should have said, in the, two, the day before, I'd been trying to look at a building that we were interested in. Uh, it's a church building, but the church is moving to another building. Uh, but it's all shut. There's no phone number. I go to the website. There's no contact details. And I've got a new phone, and I've lost the contact details from the past of Cornerstone, it's called, Cornerstone Church. So I'm like, ah. Oh. Uh, and um, so that was the day before. The next day I read the George Muller story and I, I just say, Father, 
I'm fed up looking at buildings. I just want to see what you will do. Amen. Have you ever prayed a short prayer like that? You don't have to pray long, long prayers. It's okay to pray long prayers as long as they're full of faith, not full of anxiety. Oh God, please, please, please. Uh, Full of anxiety is not a good way. When you've got a father like this, follow George Muller's example of trusting. Let's see what our father will do. So I said, Father, I want to see what you will do. Forgot about it for 10 minutes until I get a text from one of the elders at Corderstone, which wasn't in my phone. Oh, just to let you know, uh, our building's gone on the market and it's on with the estate agents. Uh, So uh, we have looked at the building, we've put in the offer of the asking price on the building and today we're having a special offering for this building Uh, and we're believing we'll get the building. But even if we don't get the building, what if the father says no and the storeroom is closed? for the cornerstone building. Does that shake me as a Christian? Well, actually, the truth is, yes, it does. <laughs> but if that, oh, it's closed. I thought, you, why did I get the text? Why did all this? Uh, my father has a better building if, if we get that one shut. If that door is shut, there's another one's going to open because my father knows, our father knows what we need. And he's always working. Always working to provide, always working to look after us, always working to pour into our very lives the things we need to live for him, to advance his kingdom, to do his will, to see forgiveness flow, to see his provision at work. So there's a beautiful picture in the Bible where Jesus tells us a little bit more about his nature and really about the Father's nature. So look at Luke 15, because our Father always longs for his children. If you've got children, and I guess many of you have, uh, I've got two children. They're amazing children. One lives in Birmingham now and is married and about to have her first child. Uh, And our son has finished university in Nottingham, Uh, So we're empty nesters. But you know what? There's not a day goes by I don't think about my children. I don't long for my children. I don't pray for my children. Now, in some ways, I've got some good qualities as a dad. That's a gift from God. But I'm nothing like my heavenly father. Nothing. He has a longing for his, his children who he adopts into his family that's incredible. Uh, so look at this story in Luke 15. It's called the prodigal son often. Uh, this son has gone, he, he said, I know I'm your heir. I want my inheritance, which basically means I wish you were dead really because I want my money now. Usually you get your inheritance when your father dies. But the father said, yeah, here's your, here's your inheritance. And the son went off to another country, spent it all on wild living, and then became destitute. Didn't even have enough food to eat. And he thinks, oh, I'll, I'll go back to my father because even his servants got fed well. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say to my father, I'm not worthy to be your son. I've really messed up. 
just let me be one of your servants. Let me, at least I'll get fed well. So that's the son's thinking. But you know what? When you're a, a spiritual son or daughter of our heavenly father, he doesn't just long for you, but he longs to enjoy a relationship with you. Not as a servant, but as his precious child. So that's the background of the story. So this son, the wayward son, got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, which was unseemly. Seems like he would have, they, they had long robes. He would have probably pulled up his robe so that he could run. And, uh, and that wasn't dignified. The father doesn't care about dignity. He cares about his son. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. Quick, bring the best robes and put them on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Our father doesn't just want us to go into the storeroom and walk by him uh, and only ask him why the door's closed. Why? What, what's going on, Father? He wants us to enjoy celebrating together. Our Father celebrates us. Even if we've been a long way off, He celebrates us coming back. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. It's not, if you feel God's distant from you, it's not God. It's you. It's us. We draw away from God. And sometimes it's because, well, I didn't expect you to say no there. That's really upset me. I can't trust you anymore. We've got to learn to say, Lord, I trust you. Father, I don't like what has just happened, but I trust you. That was tough, but I trust you. So the boy is with the father celebrating together, not just uh, going past him. For provision. So that's the second part of the picture, really, that our Father wants a relationship with us. Jesus said He wants us to know the Father and enjoy the Father. So, what are you doing each day? Do you wake up and, uh, and think, our Father? What are you doing today? You never stopped working, so I know you're working. Even when I was asleep, you weren't. You were looking after me. What do you want to do? How do you want to use me today? Father, I want to see what you want to do in my life today. It's a wonderful thing to have a relationship. Jesus seemed to have such a relationship. See, uh, as a church, we've had a week of prayer and fasting at Nathan's house. And Nathan's been absent for some reason. Uh, but uh, every night uh, we've been praying. Uh, many people are fasting. And um, what does fasting teach us? I think it teaches us. Uh, they say on day one, you get quite hungry. Day three, you get quite hungry. Day seven, you get quite hungry. If you keep going, day 21, you get very hungry. Day 40, you get very hungry. But it kind of gets a bit longer each time. 
But what do those incredible hunger pangs teach us? I think they teach us that when you fast, you have a Father in heaven who will reward you, but actually hunger for him is more important than hunger for food. What does praying teach us? When you pray, Jesus says, when you pray. In other words, we are people who have spiritual practices. And any spiritual practice you have, the Father sees it. He will reward you for it, unless you're doing it so Keith and Rachel can see you. And you're like, oh, Keith and Rachel didn't notice me. They didn't thank me for all the work I've done. We're not doing it all uh, for the church leaders. We're doing it for our Father who is in heaven. Uh, If you do do it for Keith and Rachel, I'm sure they will thank you and... uh, but you get your reward in full. Jesus says there's something much better. Do it for your father. Primarily. Obviously, it's to help the church as well. Do it for your father. Motives that I'm about my father's work. It says you'll be rewarded forever. Eternal rewards are stored up in heaven. When you give, so we're having a big offering today. What does that teach us? It teaches us loving God is the only thing to love, not loving money. God is far more important than money. And when we give, we get rewarded. The Bible says there's all this blessing from heaven. So our Father sees everything we do. Everything we do. And you think, ooh, that's worse than CCTV. That sees a lot of stuff we do. I don't like the idea of a God who sees everything. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He sees everything. But everything bad you do as a Christian is totally forgiven because of Jesus. You've got these robes that have been put on you. Robes of righteousness. Jesus' righteousness clothed on you forever. Every sin is forgiven. So all the Father now sees and rewards is anything good you do for him. Any good practice you do, whether it's praying, giving, fasting, evangelism, caring for your wife, looking after your children, anything you do for God is blessed and rewarded in full. Look at Mark, uh, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. You just get a reward from them going, oh, great job. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets. I'm giving to the needy. Did everyone notice the, uh, the giving? Look, here's my hands. No, it says, don't even your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Uh, Have you ever seen drug dealers in Chester or Liverpool? They're very good with their hands. It's like, oh, right, it's gone. The the drugs are gone. How how did that happen? Well, their left hand's there, their right hand's there. Someone walks behind them, takes it out of the back of the hand, off they go. Why do they do that? They don't want the police to see them handing over drugs. You don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And Jesus isn't saying be a drug dealer, by the way. He's saying uh, that we need to actually give, and only our Father's the one who sees it. No one else even sees it. 
then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We are to store up treasure in heaven, not store up treasure on the earth. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. Have an eternal perspective. Your father sees what is done in secret. We live for an audience of one. One God. One father. Not for others. Not even church folk. You're living for your father. You're asking father, should I keep running the life group right now? I'm getting exhausted. Tell me what I should do. You're living for him. You need his wisdom. You need his help. So keep trusting your father. Uh, The last part of the revelation that God has been helping me with, and I would encourage you, I'm going to the Father Heart Conference in Bolton in March. If you want to know more, I'm sure that's going to be very helpful Friday night, all day Saturday. Uh, I I need more revelation of the Father. But I I think the last part of the revelation God's given me so far about the Father heart of God is that as the little boy goes to the storeroom, and, and it's wide open, and he always goes to the same place and takes his gold bars from the same area of the storeroom. And then he goes out and he spends it. And then it's gone, so he goes back and gets another gold bar and out he comes from the storeroom. But here's the last part. As he goes back and he's now enjoying the father, he chats to the father, Father, what do you want me to do today? Oh, right. And the father says, actually, you're going to need three gold bars today. There's a lot of work to do. And so out comes the little boy. He's getting stronger. He's been faithful with a little. He's faithful with much. And out he goes. What's amazing is as he comes back to the storeroom the next day, he says, Father, it seems to have multiplied the place where I took the gold bars. There's more gold bars. And the other thing I found strange, when I was giving out the gold bars, it seemed to go much further than I was expecting. It just kept multiplying. I believe God's provision is very much like the bread that Jesus breaks and hands out to feed 5,000 people. Just those small loaves and suddenly 5,000 are fed. And as the disciples were giving it away, it just kept multiplying. And the fish, they were giving it away, it just kept multiplying. So there were baskets of bread and fish left over. There is a multiplication factor as we come to the God who owns everything. The cattle on a thousand hills, there's no lack in him. It's not a problem for him to give us a building, to provide for us to buy a building, to provide for you here, to provide for you in Crew and Nantwich. There's no problem. We have a father who owns everything. But he loves it as we trust him to see the multiplication. We're storing up treasure in heaven as we more and more give away and do all kinds of different things for God. But there's multiplication as you give as well. You find, wow, my my energy seems to last longer. I seem to be doing a bit better the more I look to my father. Seems like everything falls into place a little bit more the more I lean on my father. So what's an amazing thing to me is is this uh, last passage that we'll look at. We are going to stand before God. 
one day. All of us, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. For the Christian who's had all their sins forgiven and we're standing before him in our righteous robes, there's going to be a bit of a forgetfulness on all of us. And we're going to have forgotten some of the many things we did for Jesus and for the Father in our lifetime. And the Father and, and Jesus are saying, well done, good and faithful servant, come in to the kingdom prepared for you. And well done for doing this, and well done for doing that, and, well, and you're being rewarded for this, and you've got store uh, in, the, in the treasure room of heaven for that. And we all say this, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you in Matthew 25? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go and visit you? We forget all the things that God does through us to be a blessing on the earth. But God doesn't. Our Father sees everything we do. Every night you get up to care for your child, your Father sees it. Every hour of sleep you miss because you're trying to live as a godly man, godly woman. Every bit of money you give away generously, no one else knows, but your father doesn't miss it. Well, when did I do that? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten that. Wow, I didn't realize I was getting a storeroom of treasure because of all of that. You gave it to me in the first place. There's a multiplication in our God that is astonishing as we learn to trust our Father. So keep trusting the Father. Lord Jesus, we say, give us a revelation of our Father. Teach us how to listen to our Father. Teach us how to see what our Father's doing. We want to say, Jesus, we're yours. We want to learn how to be like you totally trusting a father who never stops working. Amen.